I got a question for you guys. Have you ever tried to change something in your life for the better, but felt like you couldn't make any progress that lasted? No matter what you did, it seemed to end in ultimate failure. You ever been in that season? Ever wonder why that, that sometimes you pursue something and it seems to come with such ease, but other times it feels like it's a million miles away. I know in my own life, there's been, there's been so many things that have come so easy that have come so easy. And then there's other things. Um, if I'm being really transparent, language is, is my, my main struggle right now that, that I seem to fight with and fight with and fight with and, and not be able to get over that roadblock. For a while, for me, it was addiction. And there's just different times and different seasons and different struggles that we deal with. And tonight, I wanna, I wanna talk about that. I wanna talk about how to address the things in our lives and, and to, to put them in alignment with God's word and to come to a place where we can pursue recovery in a in a unique way and in a, in a uniquely Christian way, in a way that lines up with God's word. And so tonight's message, I've titled this, A House Divided, A House Divided. And tonight I want to talk about commitment, which is a hard word. Anybody in here struggle with the word commitment? And I want to talk about double-mindedness. And if you're in here and you're like, I have no idea what double-mindedness means, that's good. I didn't know what it meant not too long ago. And it's a great thing just to learn and to begin just to place in our heart as we pursue recovery. And so tonight as we start, um, I've got a key passage that I want us to, to all turn to. So if you have your Bibles, if you'd open them up to James chapter one, and we're gonna start in verse two in just a moment. So James chapter one, verse two, to give you a little context and a little background. First off, James is in um, your New Testament, um, and James was the half-brother of Jesus. And so um, he was not a Jesus follower when his brother was alive. Um, but as he seen his brother um, crucified, killed, buried, and resurrected three days later, um, how many of you know that that made him a believer? It'd probably make any of us a believer um, about our siblings. If they told us they were the son of God and, and just it never came back, we'll be like, yeah, I told you so. You shouldn't have done that. Um, but when they're resurrected, it kind of opens our eyes and says, oh, maybe I was wrong. And so um, James was fully bought in after that. James um, became um, a, a leader in the early Christian movement, um, and he, he ministered to um, Jewish converts in Jerusalem. And he wrote this letter to combat a couple things. He, he wrote it to combat hypocrisy and to teach right Christian behavior. Um, and so I find that funny because that's a lot of the things that I feel like we deal with in the church today that we deal with in recovery is a lot of hypocrisy. You know, we say one thing, uh, we do another. Um, and, and I'm at fault of that same thing on a regular basis. You know, there's things that I tell my kids they, they should do or shouldn't do. And then at times I find myself falling into that same trap. And, I, and I've got to be reminded that, that I've called, I'm called to live better. I'm called to live differently, that there's things I'm called to pursue. And so James addresses this in the early church and he starts in verse... Verse two, he says this, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Um, not does anybody consider their troubles great joy? And I don't know when I'm struggling to pay my bills that the last thing that, that's in my heart is joy. That, that when I'm struggling with my children's behavior and struggling with wanting to put hands on them or something like that, that, that I'm, I'm a little void of joy in those moments. When my wife and I are in conflict, that, that there's not joy in those moments at all. Um, but here, James, he's saying, consider it great joy when you face troubles. The other thing I want to point out is, is he says, when. It's not if, 
It's not if. And sometimes we come into faith, we come into recovery, we begin to pursue a different life, we begin to pursue something that's unique, that's different, and we pursue it with boldness. And in the back of our mind, we think, now that I've left these things in the past, everything will be better, everything will be different. I'm not gonna face any trials or any troubles until we do. And so James is saying, hey, when you do face it, because you're gonna face it, you're gonna have these things in your life, do it with joy, not because of the circumstance, because it's an opportunity to grow. It's an opportunity to build endurance because you're gonna get past this if you rely on the Lord, if you lean into him, you're gonna get past this and you're gonna get down the road and you're gonna face something else and you're gonna face something else. But each time we can take it with a heart that's receptive to God's word and learns and grows from it. And so James lays this out. And so he goes on in just a moment. And uh, actually, before I get there, um, so what we do is when we face these troubles, when we face these things, the thing that we want to do is we want to turn back to old lifestyles. Um, we want to turn back to anger. That's, that's my big thing, that, that I'm a really happy person here at church. If you guys run into me, I'm, I'm often um, very upbeat. Um, and if you were to talk to my family at times, they would totally disagree with, with that assessment of my attitude, that, that at home I can be quite serious. Um, there's, there's a lot of words, choice words, that, that my wife and probably my kids would use for me at, at times um, because the thing happens that I face those trials and I don't face it with joy. I don't look at it as an opportunity to grow. Actually, I've become disappointed. I become discouraged. And I say, God, I thought you had something better for me. I mean, what am I doing here? Why am I going to church every Sunday? Why did I give up things to go into the ministry if you're not going to give me everything I want? And so that's how we face life. When I came into recovery and I thought everything would be better, that there was moments early on where I struggled because I thought if I gave up the alcohol, if I gave up the drugs, if I pursued this, that, that I would never hit roadblocks, that, that it would just be so easy. And it's not. And we have to learn to face those things with a different attitude, with a different attitude. And so he picks it up in verse five and he says, if you need wisdom, ask your generous God and he will give it to you. I'm gonna say that again because I know some of you in this room, you don't make wise choices. So um, if you need wisdom, and I'm included in that, if you need wisdom, Ask our generous God and he will give it. He's, he freely, abundantly wants to give his wisdom. He does. And so we just need to ask for it. He continues. He said, he will not rebuke you for asking. Praise God for that. Um, but when you ask him, but, so you're gonna face troubles, do it joyfully. Ask God for wisdom. You need wisdom, you know, when you're navigating your marriage. You need wisdom when you're navigating being a parent. You need wisdom when you're trying to get sober and live differently. You need wisdom in your finances. But, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone, that, that, that you don't have one foot here with Christ and one foot here in the world and saying, wherever Christ fails me, that the world's gonna pick up, that it'll be enough over here. That, that when Christ comes up short in my recovery, in my marriage, that, that my, my buddies over here, they'll, they'll pick me up. They'll help me navigate the problems with my wife or, or my children or things like that, that we have to have our faith in Christ alone and, and our faith in the things that God has given us alone. So, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty. Say divided loyalty. Divided loyalty. Is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. If you've ever been to any body of water and it's windy, you can just see the unsettledness of, of the water. It's choppy, it's dangerous, it's, it's, it's chaotic. And, and when we live our lives that way, when we live our recovery that way, when we lack commitment, 
when we're trapped in divided loyalty, double-mindedness, where one day I want to serve God until it gets hard, and then I want to go back to what's comfortable, to what I know, and step back into my past. When we do that, and we're back and forth, and we're back and forth, our lives are choppy, they're chaotic, and they're, they're like a sea in the wind. And he continues, such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. I'm gonna say that again. Such people, that's people with divided loyalty. That's people that are trying to live their walk with one foot in the past, that wanna come to church on Sunday and do nothing Monday through Saturday, that, that are divided in everything they do. That one side of their mouth, they proclaim the greatness of God. And on the other side of their mouth, they proclaim the greatness of the world. That people that are divided in their faith, divided in their recovery, that, that don't know which road to take at which time, that have those divided loyalties, that double-mindedness, such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. That's including that wisdom that we need to navigate difficult times and difficult situations. It's including that their loyalty is divided between God in the world, and they are unstable. Say unstable. unstable. Unstable in everything that they do. I'm not gonna ask you guys to raise your hand on this, but I'll raise mine. I've been that guy. I, I, I spent years and years wondering why none of this worked, why it wasn't making a difference. I came to this very church for almost half a decade without any significant change in my life. And I struggled with women, I struggled with pills, I struggled with alcohol, I struggled with everything because my loyalties were divided. I had one foot in the past at all times and one foot here on Sunday and my life was unstable. And I would pray to God and cry out to God, God, why? God, please do something. And the whole time he's like, just, just come over, just commit. Just, just come with me. Just journey with me. Stop holding on to the things back here. But that's what we do. And when we're stuck in that mindset, when we're double-minded about our choices moving forward, life is unstable. Life is chaotic. And we shouldn't expect God to be able to work with a heart that's hardened and a heart that refuses to humble itself to the plan and the purpose of God. And so here's the thing. We make commitments in our lives in our recovery, we commit to trust and to follow Jesus in the moment that we face those trials that we should face joyfully. We get discouraged. We turn our back on God. We think that he's failed us or any number of things. And we begin to step back and step back and try to do it our own way and pick up old habits and old behaviors, reach out to old friends, go back to old situations. And we've caused disruption in our life where maybe that trial that we face, God was trying to allow it to build endurance in our lives. Not that he brought it there, but he was allowing us to be sifted and to go through something so that we could grow into what he has for us and to be who he had created us to be. But we hold on to those things and we go backwards. And so the moment that things are not how we think they should be, the moment they get difficult, our loyalties become divided. And so we have to resolve. In this moment, now, we have to resolve to walk in the life that God has given us. That, that, that when we commit, when we give our lives to him, when we endeavor to pursue something different, God's given us a gift and, it, and it's ours if we're willing to hold on to it and to walk it out. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Say new person. New person. The old life, say old life, old life. is gone 
a new life, say new life, has begun, that Christ has given us something new. He's given us something unique. He's given us something special. He's allowed us to start over. And so when you face trials or obstacles or any number of things, stop going back to the old life. It's gone. He's given you something new. Walk it out. Commit to it. Drop the double-mindedness and commit to what he's given us. It's a gift. We just have to walk it out. We have to walk it out. And so what I'm talking about tonight, what I want to talk about, it uniquely pertains to those of us who would call ourselves Christians and Jesus followers. But if you're in here and you're not fully bought in and you're like, I just don't know about Jesus. I don't know about all this. Hey, the the judge said if I came here, you'd sign my paper. I get that, man. I get that. I really do. But I want you to listen to tonight with just uh, with open ears um, and and just uh, just know this, that everything that that we're going to talk about it's available to you too. If you want to take that step, if, if you want to commit at the end of service, we'll have an opportunity. So just listen to it with that type of receptive heart, knowing that, that even though it might not be you right now, that it could be at any point. And so um, tonight, I want to look at three things rather quickly um, that combat that divided loyalty, that, that combat that double-mindedness um, in times of struggle, in times of hardship. Because as James pointed out, it's not if, it's when. Um, you guys are gonna walk out of here. Things may be great right now. Things may not be great, but one thing's guaranteed in life that at some point, sometime, you're gonna face obstacles, you're gonna struggle, and you need to make sure that, that your resolve is strong, that you can walk through those moments, that you can build endurance, that you can stay committed to God, you can stay committed to your recovery, and that you don't become disruptive and chaotic in your life. And so point number one, as we get started, is this. Realize that we're in recovery together. Realize that you're in recovery together. And so you have to be bought in. You have to be bought in. And you've got to realize this. Um, it's, it's not you against the world. Um, that, that's not, that's not what, what our faith is. That's not what recovery is. And oftentimes, that's what we do. We pull back to a place of isolation. We separate ourselves from other people. We separate and categorize our problems, our struggles, the things that we're going through. And we think nobody understands, nobody gets me, nobody will, will walk through or journey with me. And we have to realize that, that we're in this together, that committing, whether it's just to, to faith, to, to Christianity, to walking that out, or to recovery is recognizing the fact that, that we're all in this together, that we're meant to journey together. We say it a lot around here, but it's this. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together, right? That, and I don't know about you, but, but I'm here to go far. That, that's what I want to do. I want to I wanna be better tomorrow than I am today. And I want to be better next week than I am this week. And, and here's what I know. I'm still growing. I still fail. I still make mistakes, as, as many of you do too. And, and I don't want to criticize you. I don't want to look at you differently. I don't want you to look at me differently. I want to know this, that, that we've come together, that we're a family, and, and we're moving together to a common goal and a common purpose. And, and that's to, to walk out and experience the life that God's given us, whether it's on Sunday, Monday, life groups, Wednesday, Thursday, no matter what you're walking out, that, that we're in this together, that we're in this together. Galatians um, says this, Galatians 3, 26 through 29. Um, this is the apostle Paul. And he says, for you are all children of God. Say children of God through faith in Christ. And so what he's speaking about there is that when you make that commitment to follow God, to commit your life to him, that you've been brought in. 
that, you, that you're a part of a family, that, that this is not a social club, right? That this is a place where we have each other's backs, where, where we grow each other, where we hold each other accountable, that we've been brought into a family here. Again, whether it's Monday or Sunday, or whether you're out in the world with other believers, that, that we're together in unity, a part of the same body, pursuing the same plan, same goal, same purpose. And he goes on and he says, and all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. And what he's saying there is, is the things that you walked in with, they're gone, they're covered, they're taken care of. And so those are two things that I struggled with so much that caused my loyalty to be divided um, because I came here and I isolated myself in the church for a long time. I had friends, I served, but I didn't let anybody in. That, that for the five years that I struggled here, people outside of the church knew that I struggled in alcoholism and drank. I didn't tell a single person in the church. That, that wasn't something I opened up with, that, that I was guarded. In, in any moment, had I begun to open up with my struggle, there would have been any number of people, many whom are in this room right now that knew me then, that would have come alongside me and journeyed with me. And, and an addiction that, that I let last another five years could have ended much more abruptly had I realized that, that we're in this together. And, and there's things in my marriage that, that the enemy will use to attack Janelle and I that we've learned in this season, the moment they come up, we give ourselves just a couple days to navigate it, and then we involve somebody else. That, that we open that door and we allow somebody to journey with us in our relationship, whether it's us personally, whether it's with our kids, because we've realized this, we're in this together. That, that, this, that when I say that this is a family, that I love you guys, that, that you mean something to me, it's not just lip service, that, that it, it's genuine. That, that we're here for one another. That, that's the attitude that I want each of us to have. That's the approach I want us to have because we've been brought together for something unique. And, and the things that you walked in with, whatever thing that you feel like is guilt and shameful that, that disqualifies you from being here, again, you've put on Christ when you make that commitment, like putting on new clothes. And it's not baggage you need to carry with you any longer. That, that we get to start afresh and start anew. And so he continues, he says, there is no longer, say no longer, Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for, all, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That, that we've been brought together to be in unity, to, to, to raise each other up, to hold each other accountable, to grow one another, to not slander one another, not to gossip about the things that are going on in our lives or talk about each other behind our backs, but we've been brought together. There's no division. There's not poor in here or wealthy. There's not drug addict and, oh, I've never drank or done it. But this is one of the things that make this ministry unique. There are many people in here that have never had a substance abuse problem, but we've realized this, that we all are broken. We all need Jesus and we're all gonna journey together. And that's, that's what, this asked me about my recovery is about is, is breaking down those barriers and realizing we're gonna go together. That there again, there's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are true children of Abraham. Again, God loves to use that family terminology. That again, it's not lip service to God. It's not lip service in here. That we've been called together to be a part of a family, to journey together. 
Now, if your family was broken growing up, know that this is not meant to be a dysfunctional family, that, that we're meant to have something special, unique. And so, and he ends, he said, you are his heirs and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. That, that our past has been forgotten and we have an opportunity to walk out something, but we have to, to not be divided in our loyalty and we have to be committed and understand that, that this was ordained by God, that, that this was part of his plan and his purpose. And no matter where you're at in life, no matter where you're at in your struggle, none of that matters. What matters is that we're gonna go, we're gonna journey together, we're gonna get healthy together. We're gonna, we're gonna be who God has called us all to be individually and as a group. And so when we do, so when we come here, we're broken and we all come here needing Jesus. That's what we need to understand, that we all come with brokenness. We all need Jesus. And so in order to combat that double-mindedness, the divided loyalties, we have to stop putting ourselves and our struggles in categories. We have to stop looking down at people. Some of you need to stop looking up to people like they're better than you. That, that we all are on even playing field here. You're not less than, you're not more than, that, that we all come in with brokenness and we all come in with the exact same need and we all need the exact same Jesus. And so when we do, when we categorize ourselves, we convince ourselves that no one understands our problems, our situations, or that God saved everyone but me. And so Ephesians 2.13 says this, um, but now you've been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. And so as we realize that we're all in this together. So we realize that we need to understand um, what we need to do, which is this, that, that we recover together. Point number two is together, we build our recovery around Jesus. Together we build our, and, and I use the word recovery because this is what I believe, that, that, that recovery, again, has had this stigma against it that, that we're talking about drugs and alcohol. And again, if you've journeyed in this ministry for very long, I'm talking about life recovery and every single person, whether substances were involved or not, that we have something that we're recovering from, that we're healing from, that we're getting past. And so together we build our recovery, our relationship with Christ. It's around Jesus. And so the apostle Paul, he gives us some insight um, to this in a letter to the Ephesians. And starting in verse 19, he says, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens, say citizens, along with God's holy people. You are members of God's family. And so again, he's saying that, that once you've made that commitment, you've been brought in together. And to combat that double-mindedness, we need to realize that we're brought in, that we're in this together, that you are members of God's family. And so he continues in verse 20 and 21, he says, together, together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets and the cornerstone, say cornerstone, is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. And so I really want you to focus on cornerstone. And, and unless you've been in construction or things like that, you've probably never heard the term cornerstone. And what it is, is buildings, had a start point. And so especially in Jesus's time where things were a little bit different, you had a, 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 the initial foundational stone, which was laid and it was called a cornerstone. Everything in the structure 
was built to that. So if, if that was off, everything else was, was off. If that was not level, that, that it would impact the entire foundation of the structure, that, that that had to be right, that had to be set, because every angle, every measurement, every decision was based off of the cornerstone. And so what Paul's telling us here is that together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, and the cornerstone is Jesus, that we come together to build this together, and, and every choice, every action has to be set to the cornerstone, which is Jesus. Now, what happens is we fall into these traps of divided loyalty, that, that we become double-minded. And, and maybe today I make decisions on how to treat my wife based off of the cornerstone, Jesus. But tomorrow I may make decisions on how I treat my wife on whether or not she did my laundry. That was... <laughs> That was an inside joke. Nobody, nobody, nobody get me after service. But, but we do that, don't we? That, that one day we make a decision that's based off of God's word and the next it's how somebody treated us, what they did in traffic or, or um, what they said to us or maybe I'm just angry. Maybe I just had a bad day. Maybe, maybe she didn't do anything. But when we do that, then we've divided our loyalties and some days we're, we're navigating life based off of our heart, following our heart, which is the most dangerous thing you can do. And then other days we try to pick up the pieces and put it all back together and say, God, why have you failed me? Like I've been kind of doing everything you want. And you know, I went to church a couple times and I read my Bible that one day and my life's a wreck. Well, it's because we've divided ourselves among two worlds that, that we have one foot here and, and one foot here and it's caused things to be unsettled and it's caused things to be chaotic. And, and then as we come together, we realize that we're called together and, and we build our recovery based off the cornerstone, which is Jesus. And that should set the tone for every attitude. That should set the tone for every decision. That, that should dictate how you treat your family, how you treat your wife. That, that should probably dictate the jokes that you say from the platform in front of a, a room full of 200 people. Um, that, that, that's the thing. That, that we should use moving forward. But, but when we allow the world to still take hold in our heart, to take hold in our mind, then we struggle with double-mindedness, divided loyalties, and it causes and creates chaos and conflict in our lives. And there's no stability. And, and we don't gain ground like we think we should. We don't gain ground like God wants us to. God doesn't want you trapped in addiction. God doesn't want you stuck in a failed marriage. God doesn't want you to have a bad home life. That, that there's things that he wants you to prosper in and relationships are at the top of the list. But we have to set aside that double-mindedness and we have to stop allowing our loyalties to be divided and realize that we're all in this together and we have to set every decision to the cornerstone, which is Jesus Christ. And so we come together we pursue and grow together and we resolve our double-mindedness. Um, and when we do that, we find freedom. Point number three is this, our commitment brings us freedom. That when you commit to these principles, that, that when you commit to, to realize that you're a part of a family here, that you've been called into unity into the body of Christ, when you commit to, to base every decision, every relationship off, off of Christ and, and the things that he would have you to do, when you do that, that commitment 
it brings us freedom. That commitment brings us freedom. Romans 8.11 says this, the spirit of God who raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in you. Again, this is for believers and it's available to anybody. It's not a secret. It's not something that's kept from you any longer than you allow it to be kept from you. But he says, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Therefore, say therefore. So he's saying therefore. Therefore, because of this, because you've been raised in new life, because you've committed yourself to Jesus, therefore, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. I'm gonna say that again because I've met people that have been sober for 25 years and they'll struggle with urges to drink. That, that I've met people that are trapped in lust and they can't seem to get free from it. And, and what I want to, to commit to you tonight, what I want to reveal to you tonight, that, that is when we resolve that double-mindedness, truly resolve it and truly commit to God, and truly realize that these things have been settled, that he's taken care of them, that, that you have no obligation to fall back into that old life. I was a drug addict and an alcoholic for almost 20 years. I've had zero desires or urges to go back to that. Every time I tried to quit before that, I did. You know what changed? I realized that that'd been settled, that, that I, I didn't have to walk that out that God took that away, that, that, that when I put on my new clothes that in Christ and, and allowed him to handle those things and resolve that in my mind that I didn't have to walk in that life anymore. Now, if I put my foot back in the world on that, that may be a different story. But as long as I remain faithful to what he's called me to and, and I resolve those divided loyalties and I know without a shadow of a doubt that God's taking care of that, I can continue to walk in the freedom that I have today over addiction. And anytime we, we reconcile that and resolve that in our mind and realize that, that he's handled that, he's dealt with that and commit God's word to our heart, that that's the outcome, that we have no obligation. Again, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. No obligation. He continues, for if you live by its dictates, you will die. That you have that choice, that, that you can have divided loyalties, that you can go back and forth, that you can think that God is not enough, that, that maybe he's enough in this area, but when it comes to your addiction, he's not. Maybe he's enough in this area, but when he comes to your marriage, he's not. Maybe he's enough in this area, but when it comes to the relationship with your kids or your finances or these things, he's not, that he can never take care of that. But what God is saying is that, that he is, and that if we'll resolve that double-mindedness, if we'll make that commitment, these things have been handled. They've been taken care of. You have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by it dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. That's not on your own power. But if you allow God to work through your life and you resolve and reconcile those things, that through that, through the power of the spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. In verse 15, he says, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. 
that you haven't received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Again, it's all about committing and realizing that, that we've been brought in this together as a family, into God's family. And we stop living like we're orphans, like we were. That, that we stop living on the streets and, and realize that, that we've been brought together, that we, we have something now. That, that we have him and we have his people and we have his word. And when we stop living that life, that we stop allowing our loyalties to be divided and we come in together and realize that he hasn't given us a spirit of fear. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. 2 Timothy 1.7 um, says this, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and intimidity, um, but of power, love, and self-discipline. And, and so anytime though that, that we allow that double-mindedness to take hold, that we experience fear, that, that we are timid in our lives, that, that we lose the power that God's given us over our life and struggles. One last verse as we close, 2 Corinthians three sixteen through 18 says this, but when, whenever somebody turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the spirit and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. That, that when we allow ourselves to come into that relationship and resolve those things, there's freedom in that decision. But so often we fail to accept it and we fail to walk in it and we allow ourselves to be trapped in the past. And again, when we come into this life, the old man is gone, new life has begun. Make the commitment. Walk in the new life that's been given to you from the moment, from the day that you decided that you were gonna follow him. Pick it up, accept it. It was a gift to you. Stop allowing your loyalties to be divided. So tonight as we close, uh, I had a friend she wrote a poem. She sent it to me. Um, she gave me permission to share this. And, and I wanted to share it with you guys. And she says this. She says, ask me about my recovery. Ask me about never being enough. Ask me about being surrounded by people and having no one listen. Ask me about being kept apart from family. Ask me about saying I'll never and doing just that. Ask me about the things at home that just broke where I don't know what happened to that. Ask me about crying at work when the paternity test said she wasn't his. The moment I could breathe again and keep going because I didn't have to be afraid of him anymore. The same moment I realized it was abuse. Ask me about postpartum depression. Ask me about loving your kids so much and wanting nothing to do with them some days. Ask me about crying in the hallway on the floor while your child asks if you're okay. Ask me about sleeping through my days because that was the only way I knew to cope. Ask me about being fine because no one really wants to hear the details. Ask me about a life I'm still recovering from. Ask me about God being there every step of the way. Ask me about building a support system around myself. Ask me about getting to the other side of it all. Ask me about every beautiful day I get to live because God's got more plans for me. Ask me for help. It hurts more some days, but it keeps getting better. Ask me about recovery. That, that, that that's what this is about. 
And she did. She wanted me to share her name. Um, but at the end, it's uh, Carolyn Lomberg. She wrote that. She sent it to me this morning. And, and again, um, it, it sums up this, that, that what we're doing, that, that apart from God, apart from God's family, um, apart from, from what we have here, that the weight of the world can, can overwhelm us. That, that we can begin to be drowned out, that we can begin to be crushed. But, but this is all about coming together and making that commitment to, to live for God and to journey together so, so that we can go far, so that we can overcome. And so to recap tonight, point number one was this, realize that we're in recovery together. Realize that nothing you've done keeps you from this, that, that no situation keeps you from being able to be a part of God's family, that we're in this together. And then realize number two was together we build our recovery around Jesus, that we drop the double-mindedness, that we drop the divided loyalties, and we commit to make every choice, every decision based off the cornerstone of Jesus and his word. And then number three, our commitment, when we do this, it brings us freedom that you no longer have to, to be held captive by your past or your struggles, that, that God has freedom available to each of us if we'll commit to follow him and, and to set aside those divided loyalties and commit to what he has for us. Some action steps we have for you guys tonight. Number one, identify areas of your life and recovery where your loyalty is divided. If you need a little hint, look for things that are chaotic. <laughs> Chaos reveals all. And number two, commit to resolve your double-mindedness by devoting yourself to who and what God has called you to. Set it down and commit to him in every facet of your life. And number three, live in the freedom that your commitment's already brought you. The old man's gone. A new life has begun. That, that, that's God's promise, that we give our lives to him, that stop letting that sinful nature control you and realize that God's given you a new spirit and walk in the freedom that he's given you.